Welcome to the Coach Sedge Podcast, dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. Thank you for joining me today. I'm your host, Steve Kramer of the Coach's Edge and Kramer Basketball. And if I sound a little stuffed up, if I sound a little worse than usual, it's true. I'm fighting, uh, getting back from a sinus infection right now. So it's not the mic that's the problem. It's just my voice. Now, on this episode, we have Coach Ryan Cardock, varsity coach, Paris Community High School in Florida, former Division One player, former Division One coach. And we break down some of the things and lessons that he's learned from the college level and now transfers that to being a varsity basketball coach, which he's in his second season. So we talk about some of those lessons learned. We talk about uh, the importance of surrounding himself with a great staff. We talk about some of the benefits of being a college video coordinator and how that's helped him break down game film to his team. We touch on some of the things that if you were to go to his practice, what would you see? What is emphasized? And he shares some of those values with him. And throughout the course of this interview, you'll see something that he really puts a huge emphasis on, and that's building relationships, strong lines of communication among himself and his players. And that carries through with everything that he shares within this episode. So thank you to Coach Cardock for taking the time to be on the Coach's Edge podcast. Now, if you're thinking about how you can be more efficient as you're going through basketball season, it's up and running, you might be interested in our practice plan package. This is something that Coach Troshak and I, who's been on the podcast quite a bit, have put together different video breakdowns, some PDF handouts to give you some ideas of how you can create a more effective and efficient basketball practice this season and moving forward. Information about that is in the link in the description below. And the last thing that I'll touch on before we get to the show is we're already putting together our spring and summer camp schedule. So if you're interested in bringing Kramer basketball to you, to your school, to your program in the future, feel free to reach out, contact at KramerBasketball.com. Thank you for listening to this show. We appreciate you. Uh, we know there's a lot of things that you could be doing and you've chose to spend some time with the Coach's Edge podcast. I do not take that for granted. If there's anything that I can do for you, please reach out and let me know. Our, all our contact information is in the description in the link below. Let's get to it. I'd like to give a warm Coach's Edge welcome to Coach Ryan Cardock. And he may sound a little bit familiar. Coach Cardock was one of our first interviews with the Coach's Edge podcast. So, Coach, thanks for taking the time to be back again. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate you having me. It's always good to be here with you, Steve. Well, I respect uh, your basketball mind quite a bit, and so it's it's great to have you back on the on the podcast. And a few things have changed since our last interview with you, as we touched on. If if you want to go way back and hear like how rough, if you think my voice and the audio and everything is bad now, you should go like six, twelve months back and listen to the early episodes of the Coach Edge podcast and, and uh, hear that interview with Coach Cardock. He does a great job, all right? The interview skills were a little rough. So we're excited to have, have you back and touch on a new aspect of coaching and give some advice to new varsity basketball coaches uh, who are just kind of cutting their teeth with their season. So why don't you introduce yourself a little bit for our new listeners and also give us a little bit of your past coaching experiences. Yeah, so I played at the University of South Florida as a walk-on. Uh, it was a great experience being down there. You know, was in the Big East at the time, so got a chance to play against some of the best 
players in the world and, and some of the best coaches were in that conference as well. I mean, Villanova was in there at the time and UConn, Syracuse, Notre Dame, Louisville. So obviously a lot of, you know, great coaches that I was able to see, you know, as a player. And then after that, I went on to the University of Miami, Florida, was a graduate assistant there with Coach Laranega for two years. Obviously learned a lot from him. He's a really good coach, went to a Final Four, George Mason, and, um, you know, has had some success at Miami as well. And then after that, I went to Bowling Green State University. I was a video coordinator there for a year, and then I was director of ops for three years. And um, after Bowling Green, I went on to James Madison as an assistant coach. And now I'm actually the head coach at Parish Community High School uh, down near Bradenton, Florida. And this is my second season at Parish now. Awesome. Love to hear everybody's basketball story and all the, the, the journey of, of being somebody who loves, loves the game, loves learning the game, loves teaching the game as you do. You're a varsity basketball coach now. How has being a college coach helped you at this level? Well, I think it's honestly helped me tremendously. And for me, I think, you know, having been it in all these different positions, right? So as a player and being a walk-on, you know, you don't play quite as many minutes. You're kind of seeing things somewhat from a coach's perspective. You're running the scout team and doing different things. And, you know, I played about maybe nine minutes a game, but nonetheless, I was able to kind of see a lot of different things and learn, you know, from being a walk-on. And then having been a video coordinator, which I think is a great position. And even if you're not a video coordinator, just studying tons and tons of film, right? Because as a video coordinator, you're forced to do that. So I had to watch, you know, 10, 12 hours a day of video, and I'm seeing all these different teams and different things that people are doing. And then being director of ops and kind of having to run the back end side of things, administration, while also doing some basketball things as well. And then being an assistant coach, for me, it was, it was a great uh, variety of positions because it helped me learn each one and each one was so important to me. And so now I feel that because I've been through all of that and I've seen all those different things in different positions, I'm much more successful as a head coach in high school um, because during those times I was preparing myself to be a head coach, right? Because of all those different positions and things that I've learned, I feel like it, uh, it was very applicable to being a high school coach, a high school head coach, and then implementing all those things that I learned along the way as the head coach. Uh, that's awesome. You've definitely had to wear many hats throughout your coaching journey so far. You mentioned being a video coordinator. Um, how has some of that applied to watching game film with your team or scouting other teams? Yeah, no. So for me, you know, as a video coordinator, obviously, like you said, you're doing a lot of scouting. And one, it helps you develop your own philosophy, because when you're watching all that video, you're seeing good offense, you're seeing average offense, you're seeing really good defense, you're seeing some average defense, and you try to pick apart, like, what makes teams successful, because as we know, like, you know, there's national champions who are in the 300s in pace, and there's national champions who are at the 50 mark in pace. You know, Virginia, I think, was 353 in the country or something like that when they won the national championship. And then you got teams like North Carolina or Duke or whoever else who are going to play, you know, a much faster pace. Um, so for me, as, as far as video, you know, I was able to kind of pick up a lot of different things and see what's successful. And what you can see, I think, when you watch enough videos, you can see trends. 
And there's certain discipline, there's certain toughness, there's certain um, effort and things like that, that are basically going to be consistent with good teams. So for me, that was one thing that I thought was very valuable. And then the other part that you touched on as far as taking the video and implementing it with my team, I think it's been very, very beneficial for me because the players have said to me on several occasions, man, coach, you're very, very prepared for these games. Like when we go into these games, we know exactly what we're doing. We know exactly who we're playing against because, you know, I go on and I get the last four or five games on huddle. And sometimes obviously in the beginning of the season, you can't get that many, but you know, when you're able to get even three or four games and clip up, you know, seven, eight clips of each guy and have their top eight players and then have maybe their top five plays and have some defensive clips. And if they're playing zone or pressing or whatever else, and you're able to show the guys those clips, you know, many kids at this level um, probably haven't seen that much before. They're not that familiar with the scouting report and being able to break down tendencies of who's driving left and who's shooting. And, and it helps tremendously. Like, you know, we played the other day and they had a couple of shooters and I'm telling our guys, like, be there on the catch. And I was able to show them film of these guys coming off screens or, get, you know, getting off a very quick release. And they did a really good job in the game. They were there on the catch every single time those guys caught the ball. So for me, I think that the scouting and the video can just give you an extra advantage in the games. And for me, I think it's very important to our team. And I try to stress it. And I think the guys have really enjoyed it. And they see the importance and the effect in the game. So now they're asking, we got film on this guys today. We got, you know, film on these guys. What do we got? You know, so they're always now, you know, interested in that as well. Oh, I love it. Um, going from the college level to the high school level, has there been a specific fundamental or a specific thing to emphasize that maybe surprised you or that you've had to put more, uh, time and energy into than you might have thought? To be honest with you, I, I think that all parts of the, the game at the high school level, you have to put a little bit more into, right? It's, and, and just because like at the college level, a lot of these kids, and, and as you go up in any level, you'll see it, but the college level kids have a certain knowledge, and a lot of these high school kids, they don't have that. So I was, I was working out in the weight room with a couple of our guys today, and they were talking afterwards. And, you know, one of them was like, yeah, I didn't start playing basketball till ninth grade. And one of them was like, yeah, I only played a little bit of time in, in my, on my middle school team. So, like, the experience they have coming in is, is not always as much as you would like, right? So they're almost like blank slates, which can be a very good thing because they don't have you know, a ton of knowledge from, from other places at times. And some of them do obviously, but um, so you can kind of train them up to, to how you want to. And for me, you know, one thing I really think is at the high school level, I think you've got to, got to be more simple um, with what you do and focus on what you want to be really good at. So I broke down some certain things in this off season. Um, you know, I think there was some things I could have done better in the first year. And so this off season, I said, okay, we're going to be really good in these particular areas. And I broke those areas down, you know, transition defense. We're going to be really good in transition defense because it's a big part of high school basketball. Um, we're going to be a good shooting team. So we've emphasized every day after practice, everybody has to get 50 made threes. And we stay in 20 minutes afterwards. And then obviously guys can get in 
on their own after that. Um, we're going to be better assist to turnover, right? So we had a lot of turnovers in my first season. And so this year I'm really stressing all the time, trying to be, you know, consistent as far as positive assist to turnover and be strong with the ball. Um, so I think, you know, you really have to practice whatever you want to be good at every single day. Like we're trying to stress offensive rebounding. So when we do dummy offense and a shoot around or, you know, anything else, everybody has to either be in or out and they have to do it and they have to talk. And if they don't, we run it again. And then while we're playing five on five, we watch them. And if they're not doing it, then we make them run or, or we, you know, reset the possession, you know, they have to play defense again or whatever it may be. Um, so we constantly are emphasizing those things uh, on a daily basis. What's been the biggest lesson learned from your first season as a varsity head coach to your second season now? Um, I think that, you know, you, you really have to, um, as I mentioned, demand what you want to be good at and you have to pick and choose. So like, I think in the first season, I wanted to play a particular style that was a style that I liked, but it necessarily, it wasn't necessarily great for the personnel that we had. Right. We have a, had a team that wasn't necessarily that athletic and I'm wanting to play in the passing lanes on defense and really pressure up and pressure full court with certain guys. And, you know, you see when you play good teams that sometimes they break down a guy and then there's nobody in the gaps and that you don't have, you know, great, great rim protection and that it becomes really difficult. So for me, you know, I've really tried to gear everything towards our personnel and, you know, eliminate what I want to do as far as what I personally like and what's going to make our team the best. So, you know, we've shifted to gap defense. We've shifted to not necessarily picking up full court um, offensively. You know, we put in some sets and then we have, you know, some certain motion offense as well with a five out and a four out one in. Um, so for me, you know, I think you really have to assess your personnel and then, you know, dictate what you want to do off of that. I love that. I mean, ask yourself as a coach, what what do my players do well and how can I put them in a position to do what they do well more often? And yep. you start to figure, ask yourself those those two questions and it's not too late. I mean, for our, for our coaches listening and as this comes out, I mean, you'll have already played some games. It's OK to to reset a little bit and maybe there's some, some differences or somebody gets, gets injured or somebody has really stepped up, whatever might happen. And you start to take a, a look back and evaluate your team at this point in the season. What are we doing really well? How can we continue to do that more often throughout the course of the season? Cause every team wants to continue to get better throughout the course of the year. Um, coach, how vital has it been for a new coach to surround themselves with a great staff? Oh, it's huge. You know, and, and at Parrish, we have a really great group of people um, as far as staff, right? So, you know, our athletic director, he, he's very in line with what we're trying to do. And then as far as our assistant coaches, I really wanted to make sure to hire people that were good people first and that really care about the kids more than anything else, right? Because we want to care about the well-being of the kids and who they are as people and making sure that they're, you know, living their up to their full expectations as people before anything. And so what I try to do is I try to find people who are in line with that, because that's my philosophy. 
is let's be good people and then we can train them to be good players. And we have really good people as our assistant coaches. And then as far as, you know, the staff goes, I think you have to have people that are going to be bought into to what you're trying to do. So when you're interviewing them or talking with them, just to make sure that everybody's in line with the head coach, because the head coach has the vision and then everybody else has to follow that vision, regardless if they believe in everything that, that you are implementing, you know, because a lot of times as assistants, and we know this, like I was an assistant coach at one point, you know, you're not agreeing with everything with the head coach. If you were a head coach, you would do some things differently. And, and that's everybody. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that, but you give your suggestions and you give your ideas and, and the head coach needs to listen to them and take them in and understand what you're saying. And then he makes the, the final decision and that the assistant coaches have to be in line with that. You know, um, the head coaches make decisions and the assistant coaches make suggestions. And so when you can find assistant coaches that are going to essentially be in line with that and, and give their thoughts, but then also when it goes out to the court, they're a 100% in with you that's what you got to try to find. And that's, that can make your team so much better just by having good people in there as assistant coaches and then people who are going to line up and do exactly what you tell them to do and what you're wanting to do for the program. I think that's so valuable to have the, the way that you just broke that down. You don't have assistants that are just saying, yes, 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 and agreeing to 100%. They're sharing new ideas with you. As you mentioned, it's your job as a head coach to listen to those ideas. But when it's time to go out on the court and execute, you're one team, right? You're all in line with what you're, you're trying to, to execute and to finish uh, that falls in line with the vision of the head coach. And, I mean, that's I love that with finding a staff. And it uh, sounds like you've done a great job of that. If someone were able to attend one of your practices, what are some of the things that they would notice? I would think they would notice the attention to detail on defense. So we've been really focusing on the defensive side of the ball, and we do a drill almost every day called perfect defense. And essentially what it is is, you know, the defense has to be perfect in everything. So if they're supposed to be in a gap, they have to be in a stance, be in a gap, see a man and ball. If they're supposed to hard hedge a ball screen and the guard get over, then they have to do that. And what happens is if they don't, so let's say someone's supposed to be in help side and they're not in help side, we see it as coaches, everybody's watching, surrounding the court, we blow the whistle and that person has to run an up and back. And the next person on that team on the side, on the baseline or sideline is gonna come in. And so we really try to emphasize being very, very disciplined on defense. And you know, it showed in the first few games that we played. I don't know if anyone's really scored you know, over 40 points in most of our games so far this season. And we have a long ways to go. Don't get me wrong. Like we, we need to get a lot better defensively. But if you came to one of our practice, I, I think you would see that as the emphasis that we are holding guys accountable every possession on the defensive side of the ball. I love it. What is a varsity coach? Usually you have, let me ask you this first. Um, do you have another coach or coaches at your practices? We do. Yeah, we usually have uh, myself and then three other coaches. Okay. So we kind of have each person on top of something in particular. So like that, as I mentioned, we kind of stress offensive rebounding. So we have one coach that's always looking 
for offensive rebounding. And then we have another coach who's looking for, you know, particular things on the defensive side of the ball. And then our head JV coach, he comes to the practice after JV practice. So usually we have those three guys there. And then, you know, I have particular things that I'll do. Like I focus on shot selection and I tell guys if it's a good shot or bad shot. So we have a drill that we do where we run our offense and you get essentially, let's say you're running five out and you're supposed to be moving and cutting in certain areas. And then you get a shot off, obviously. If it's a great shot, we give it two points. If it's an average shot, we give it one point. And if it's a bad shot, we give it zero points. But whether you make it or miss it, it doesn't matter. So we're, you know, for me, a lot of times I'm focusing on the overall, like offensive side of the ball as far as shot selection and things like that. So that I think that's been helping us too, um, where each person has something in particular that they're focusing on and they know exactly what they're looking for during practice. Before we get back to the episode, I want to thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. And if you find this episode beneficial, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. That goes a really long way as we continue to build the Coach's Edge. And most of all, share this episode out with someone else who you think also may find it beneficial. That's what the Coach's Edge is all about, trying to give you an edge, an advantage. Let's get better together. Back to the show. Well, it's huge to give responsibilities to each of those coaches and you're specific with, with each of those. And I love that because I know having been an assistant coach, it's, it's easy to go to practice. And if you don't have a specific plan, you're kind of just looking at everything. And if you can say, Hey, I want you to look at, you know, Steve, I want you to look at shooting this practice or look at a couple of players specifically and how they're performing throughout the course of that, that practice, that can be a really, really beneficial. And you break it down and, a million variety of different ways. And, and you've done that with, with your crew as well. Um, as we continue to kind of round out uh, this podcast, what are you met, you mentioned shooting and if coaches, if you get a chance, listen to our shot selection episode with uh, coach Anthony Troshak, really great episode. And that's been one of the things that I feel like watching and scouting so many high school basketball games currently with my job is that, shot selection can truly be a difference maker for a program. Um, so I'm curious to hear a little bit more about that, Coach. How do you break down good shots and bad shots so that your kids really understand it? You mentioned the scoring system already. Yeah, we mostly use that scoring system, and we do that drill almost every day as well. Um, and then we're just constantly stressing it. So I think, like I mentioned, like anything that you want to be good at must be emphasized on a daily basis. Like if you want to be good at boxing out and you're just doing like one drill for 10 minutes every three days, but when they're going live, you're not always on them. If they miss a box out, you're not really going to be great at boxing out. And it's the same thing with shot selection. So it's something we're still working on, to be honest with you. We, you know, we're trying to shoot for almost 15 to 20 assists a game is our goal. And um, and so we constantly are saying, all right, let's get a wide open high school three, a wide open mid range or a wide open layup. And that's really what we're stressing. So if someone shoots a, a three that's off the bounce, even on a ball screen that's contested, then we would say, OK, that's a bad shot. We can get a better one. And then so we, we implement that system with the two for a great shot, one for an average shot and zero for a bad shot. And eventually you start seeing it like when you're going live, obviously we're doing it in that drill, but when you're going like in the game or whatever else, you see 
you know, guys saying, hey, we can get a better one if they're shooting one of those shots. So they kind of know what we're looking for. And obviously, you know, with, with shot selection, it's, it's different for players, too. Some players are going to have a little bit more leeway. You know, some guys, if they're really, really good, can, can come off a ball screen and it's semi-contested and shoot a three and make it at 45%. So those guys, you're going to allow them to shoot a little bit more. So I think as a coach, it's one of the most difficult things you have to deal with because there's a little bit of a gray area. And then you have to explain to different guys like, no, he can shoot that shot, but you can't shoot that shot. And, and it takes some, you know, connection with the players. And I think that's the importance of building the trust with the players and building relationships. And that's one thing I really try to focus on, making sure I'm touching my players on a weekly basis, whether it be text or meeting or whatever else. Because if you do that, if they trust you and they understand that, okay, coach really does have my best intentions in mind, like he wants the best for me. Then when you tell them those things, like this guy can shoot a shot, but you can't, it's going to go over a lot better. They still might be a little frustrated, but at the end of the day, you know, shot selection, it's going to be a huge, huge part of your team. You you know, you, you got to be good in that area if you want to be good offensively. hundred percent, man. The way with the coach's edge, we break it down is rhythm, room, and range. And if you're in rhythm you have room and it's within your shooting range, meaning that's a shot and a distance that you can knock down, you pull that thing. Um, but with that in mind, it's got to hit those three things and what rhythm could look like and what room could look like and what range could look like, as you said, is the gray area. It's different for every single guy or girl uh, on that team. Some players are going to have a little bit more of a, of a green light when it comes to those things. As I was watching some game film yesterday for a team um, and I was communicating with their coach, they had shots that they wanted to take. They had, it was well within uh, their, their shooting range. So they had the room, they had the range, didn't have the rhythm. And the rhythm was a lot of, and due to the passing Mm -hmm. too low, too high. So as a, that's also a hard part to teach with shot selection is, okay, you're open, you have room. It's, it's a shot that you can make, but because that pass is so bad, sometimes we need to start passing those ones up because I got to reach way up above my head. And so that's a whole nother thing that um, you can dive into with shot selection as well. So I go, I could, I could go forever on shot selection. We've done numerous podcast episodes of shot selection because um, I, I love digging into that so much. You talked about communication and you talked about relationships. What are some of the things that you've used from being a college coach and you've helped apply that to now working with your high school guys to really foster that relationship and family type atmosphere? Yeah, I think one thing that we do a bunch of and, and our guys, they really like it. Uh, they call it group therapy. But basically what it is, is we bring them in a room together. And I'm sure there's a lot of teams that do this. And, and we talk about things outside of basketball, right? Because this just gets them to know each other a little bit more, gets them to loosen up. Um, and whenever you bring girls into it, that, that can always be a good one because you get a lot of laughs too. So, you know, everybody tell us about your girlfriend or everybody tell us about a girl that you like, or you've been talking to recently. And just, you know, I'm using that as an example, but you can also use things that we've done, um, as far as like, okay, what's one thing that's going on in your life that's been difficult. And that's a really good one. It's so simple, but you know, there's things that I find out that are so helpful. Like, you know, one of our assistant coaches, he was in there. And his dad has cancer and he said he doesn't know how much time he has left 
So he's up there like about to cry in this quote unquote group therapy session. And all the guys are looking at him like, wow, like we didn't know that. Like this guy has a lot going on in his personal life. And then someone else broke up with their girlfriend and someone else had a grandpa die and someone else had something else going on. And so when you can um, feel for each other on a personal level, it just makes the bond grow stronger. So we try to do that about once a week um, and, and it doesn't last long. You know, we might just do it for about 20 minutes and then I'll do other things as well. Like we read um, an excerpt from the book Toughness the other day with Jay Billis and it, it talked about like, a standard of excellence, which coach K described. And he said, it doesn't matter if we're up 30, like we have a standard of excellence. So we want to make sure if we're up 30, that we are locked in on defense, that we are giving up nothing easy. And we were up big the other day in one of our games. And, and that's what I talked to them about after the game is we, we slacked off a little bit. And I said, if we want to be really good and we want to go on to win a district championship and see how far we can go, then we need to have a standard of excellence, no matter who we're playing against to be able to be as good as we can be in, in no matter who's in the game, if it's the 14th guy or the best player, if you're in the game, no matter what the score is, it, or if you're down too, you know, you're, you're playing as hard as you possibly can and doing all those things um, the right way. So for me, it's a lot of team bonding. And then I think you just have to build relationships with the guys. Like I, I, I thought um, it wasn't anything really that intentional. I just wanted to get in better shape over the summer. So I would, you know, run with them on the track and play open gym with them and lift with them. And, you know, I thought it was really helpful because it just kind of like built a bond as like that I'm their friend, you know, that I wasn't their coach when I'm playing open gym with them. I wasn't coaching them up, you know, I was just playing with them. And, uh, and thankfully, you know, I was in pretty good shape coming into that. And so, you know, I could do some, some things out there that were, you know, just good, like team basketball and they see it and they see me playing hard and they're like, wow, this guy's 33 years old and he's playing harder than us. So, you know, for me, I think that I earned some respect from them in that manner. And so that was really helpful. And, and, and some people, maybe they're not great basketball players. And I, you know, I, I wasn't some fantastic player, but you know, I could do some, some decent things out there as far as moving the ball and playing hard. And so, you know, it's just finding ways, whatever, whatever it is for you. Like if you're not a good basketball player, then you find another way to connect with these guys. Right. And so that's what I've tried to do as far as, you know, be in the weight room with them, uh, lift with them, encourage them, run with them on the track and uh, just connect with them at all times. So like if I ever see somebody is down or even, you know, I have this base thing that if somebody gets injured, I'll always text them that night, you know, just to check in on them. And then the kids know like, wow, he really cares about me as a person. You know, he's making sure I'm okay. So I think, you know, any chance you get, you see somebody's down, you know, they did bad on a test or if they did good on a test, you know, texting them, hey, how are you doing? You know, or congratulations on that A on the test. And it's just constant touch on these guys and they'll recognize it. You know, like if people are connected with you and they, they care for you, you know it. And so I just try to make sure I show that. If I think something, I try to make sure to say it. I send them film individually to let them know that, you know, I care, but also obviously to, to let them know that I want them to get better and it helps the team. So there's a, I can go on and on about that. I, I love it. And, and I think, you know, I, I just love the kids so much and I want to help them as people and as players. So it, it's something that I'm really passionate about and I try to do every day. I love that you gave some great examples uh, for somebody who's, if you're younger, you're still playing, you, you can hoop a little bit to be able to go in there and 
And I think just a sweat with kids has a ton of value. You build the sweat equity with, with some, with some kids and, and that's awesome, but you don't have to like I, one of my coaching mentors is probably 60 years old and obviously he's not going to go and run up and down on the, on the court. He's not um, someone who probably really knows like every type of music that the kids are listening to. Those kids would run through a wall for him. And it's because the other things that you mentioned, every kid on that team from the best player to the player that, you know, may suit up and not play for four straight games. They know that that coach cares about them. They want them to do well. They want them to succeed at life. And, and as a coach, when you have players that know that you care about them, that's beyond basketball, the value of that. And you're going to see the, the fruits of that labor on the court and off of it for years to come. And so props to you coach for, for doing that. I think you're doing a, doing an awesome job. That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Last question. Um, advice to a younger coach advice to someone who maybe isn't a varsity head coach, uh, but they're hoping to become a coach one day. Maybe they're an assistant, maybe they're a JV coach, maybe they're a junior high coach. Um, some of the lessons that you've, learned that you're like, boy, I wish I would have known that before I got started. Yeah, I would say, you know, obviously most people would say this, but just keep, keep learning your craft, right? Like in order for you to be successful, once you get that head coaching job, like you have to know your stuff and you have to study the game and be a student of the game. So, you know, no, no matter where you're at, if you're, you know, a middle school assistant coach and you want to be a middle school head coach, like, you got to know the area. You got to know the teams around, like what's the style of play, what's made teams successful at that level. And just constantly studying the game is, is so, so important. Um, Connecting with other coaches around the area who have been good, I think is important. So like what I've done is I have a a friend who's a high school coach, really successful in Ohio. I have a friend who's a successful coach in California and then what I've done is I've found the successful high school coaches in Florida and I've reached out to them. And there's one guy who, you know, went to a state championship at uh, Lakewood Ranch High School named Jeremy Schiller. And he's a really good coach. And they're a close school to us. They, they beat us last year when we played against them. And so I said, man, like I'm watching his stuff in the scout. And I'm like, this guy knows his stuff. He's got players that, you know, are not at, at the highest level per se, as some of these other teams who have made it to the state championship and he's been consistent in taking a team to a state championship. So I know he's a really good coach. So I'll, I'll call him like on, you know, if I, if I think of anything, if I have a player that is not, you know, playing as good as, as I think he should, Hey, have you had this situation before? If I have a parent that's trying to, you know, get involved with something, Hey, what do you think about this situation? So I think, you know, bouncing ideas off of others, is so important and, and and don't be afraid to reach out to people that you respect and, and some of them they're not going to get back with you and they may not communicate or give you insight or whatever but if you reach out to enough you'll be able to get some people um, that can help you and that you can bounce ideas off of and learn things from so you always got to be a constant learner um, and and really be seeking out advice of others and studying the game as well. That's awesome. Um, that's one of the reasons I love the coach's edge. It's one of the reasons I love this, this podcast is, is just to be able to do a lot of those things that, and coaches are be able to listen in 
and be able to get advice for, from you. And uh, it's so important for us to be able to, to do that. Um, Coach, can't thank you enough for being on the show. Uh, we'll do kind of a lighter question here to finish. Um, best basketball memory? Um, I would probably say we played when I was at Bowling Green. We played a game against our rival Toledo, and um, it was a 104 to 100 game wow. that we ended. And so it was just the excitement of beating your rival. You know, like I think there's something about beating the team that's 30 minutes up the street from you, and uh, and taking pride in that. So. I have a lot of them, but, you know, that's just one that kind of comes to mind uh, when you ask right off the top of my head. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, Coach, thanks for spending time to be on the Coach's Edge. I mean, you're you're a real one. Appreciate you. I mean, for those listening, we're recording this on a Saturday night. So that that shows a little bit of how much like hoop junkies Coach Cardock and I are that he was like, hey, can you do a Saturday night? I was like, heck, yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out. We'll, we'll make it happen on a Saturday night. So uh, <laughs> thank you guys for, for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. And Coach Cardock, appreciate you. Thanks for being on. Thanks, Steve. I love what you're doing, man. It's awesome for coaches. And I just admire who you are. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. And as always, get after today. Thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. There's a lot of things that you could be doing right now. You chose to spend some time with the Coach's Edge. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you to Coach Cardock for taking the time to be on the Coach's Edge podcast. He's got a passion for the game of basketball. He's got a passion for people that shines through in this episode. Coach, if there's anything that I can do for you, I'd love to talk hoop. Reach out to me at Coach's Edge One on Twitter. Steve21Kramer is my personal Twitter account. Reach out to me. If you're interested in any of the things that we mentioned at the beginning of the show, our in-season practice plan package, link is in the description below. If you're interested in learning more or bringing a summer camp or a spring clinic to you, you can also reach out to me. It's contact at crimbasketball.com. Thank you again for listening. And as always, get after today.